Good morning and grace and peace to all of you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we're going to finish up our sermon series on the seven I Am statements of Jesus from the Gospel of John. This last statement comes in John chapter 15, where Jesus begins by telling his disciples, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. And in the context of the passage, and where Jesus most likely um, made this statement, he's most likely referring to grapevines when he makes this statement. Any of you here ever try and grow grapes before? few hands going up, okay? It takes a lot of work and continual care to grow good vines that produce good grapes. How many of you have ever seen pictures of a vineyard or visited a vineyard before? Okay? Vineyards are, are um, amazing things to see, um, especially one that's maybe been in existence for a lot of years. It's also interesting to see them during the different seasons of the year. During the growing season, the grapevines are alive and green and just lush with life. And as the fruit begins to grow and mature, there are clusters of grapes that develop that will be used for jellies and jams and wine or, or simply just to, to pluck and eat. During the fall, during the harvest time, many of the leaves will start to change color. And when the grapes are fully ripe, they're harvested and the vineyard then really takes on a new look. It isn't as full as it once was when the grapes were, were ripening and the life of the vine was flowing through the branches. And finally, the vine will become dormant as it prepares itself for the winter season when it will be pruned back drastically so that it can be fruitful again the next year. I was reading some this week about how to prune grapevines. And I was amazed at how much they are actually cut back each year. In an average vineyard, 80 to 90% of the new growth from that previous year is pruned off each winter. And this is because grapes are produced on the new shoots, on new branches, not the old. When I first read this, I was reminded of what the Apostle Paul taught us in uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 when he said that if anyone is in Christ, he is what? He is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. In our passage for today, Jesus is going to talk a lot about bearing fruit. And he will tell us that to bear fruit for the kingdom, we must remain in him. That he is the vine that we need to stay attached to. We've just seen how the fruit of the grapevine grows on new growth, not old. In the same way, we as believers in Jesus Christ, those who are in Christ, we produce fruit because we are new creations. We have new life in Jesus. Why don't we turn to our passage for this morning together. Please take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 15. And please stand with me as you're able for the reading from God's Word. This morning I'll be reading John 15, just verses 1 through 11. If you're following along in the Pew Bibles, it's found on page 764. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. 
You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Lord, as we finish up this series and as we look at this last one of your I am statements, help us to understand what it means to to remain in you so that we can bear fruit for the kingdom. Lord, as we look at this passage, I pray as I always do, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together would be pleasing and acceptable to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've done with each one of these statements of Jesus, I think it's important for us to begin by looking at the context in which Jesus said these words. Last week, we saw Jesus make the statement that he is the way, the truth, and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus made this statement in the upper room after sharing a meal with his disciples and then washing their feet and then teaching them that he would soon be leaving them. Jesus went on in John 14 to share with his disciples that when he went away, the Father would send the Spirit of truth to be with them. He was talking about the Holy Spirit of God. And Jesus told them that when the Holy Spirit came, he would teach them all things and remind them of all the things that Jesus had spoken to them over the last three years. And then at the end of chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples something very simple. He says, come now, let us leave. So they left the upper room and began making their way to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus would spend time in prayer later be arrested, and his disciples would scatter. But Jesus continues to teach his disciples as they walked along. And one of the things he taught them was this lesson about the vine and the branches. Now what might have prompted Jesus to switch gears here in his teaching and and introduce this new topic? Well, as they left the upper room and began traveling through town toward the garden, they would have passed a lot of different things along the way. One of the things that they passed may have been the temple. And on that temple was a large golden grapevine that decorated one of the walls around one of the gates. Jesus and his disciples may have passed the temple and seen that. They may have simply been walking and Jesus saw a vineyard over to the side and seeing the vines, took that opportunity to share with his disciples this next lesson. 
Whatever prompted Jesus to go in this direction with his teaching, it would have been a very familiar topic to anyone who had grown up in this region. The grapevine was actually the national symbol for Israel. It had been imprinted on their coins to represent who they were in relation to God. In fact, the Lord had referred many times in the Old Testament to Israel being like a vine that he had planted and tended. We read some of that this morning from from Psalm 80. In Psalm 80, the psalmist calls out to God to restore Israel, to look down from heaven and watch over the vine that he had planted. In Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, the Lord sings a song for the vineyard he has planted. And he speaks in that song of clearing the land and giving his vineyard a fertile place to live, providing for his vineyard everything that it needed to thrive and to prosper. But in that passage, it says, when the Lord looked for fruit, there was nothing but bad fruit to be found. Verse 7 in that passage says, The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. Jeremiah 2.21 finds the Lord railing against his people Israel when he tells them, I planted you. I planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How did you turn against me into this corrupt and wild vine? Ezekiel 19 talks about the vineyard of Israel being strong at the start, planted by water and having strong branches, but that it had now been uprooted and there was not even one strong branch left on it. Hosea 10, verse 1, describes Israel as a spreading vine bringing forth fruit. So this image of the nation of Israel being a grapevine or a vineyard had been written about many times throughout the Scriptures. And the Jewish people would have heard and understood this analogy. So why would Jesus choose this topic of all the things he could have talked about on his last night with his disciples. Well, verse 11 tells us this. Jesus said, I have told you this, referring back to his teaching, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So after telling them all those things in the upper room, right, that one of them was going to betray him, Another would deny him, that he was going away and they couldn't come with him. In the midst of all of those things, after this teaching about the vine and the branches, Jesus is telling them that they can still experience complete joy. Let's take a quick look at these men who were gathered around Jesus that night. Jesus had found some of them where? At the docks, right? Frustrated fishermen who had spent the whole night fishing and hadn't caught a thing. One of them he had found in a tax booth, collecting taxes for the Roman government. Another one had been found sitting under a fig tree. None of these men had been very remarkable figures in their communities. None of them had ever been real leaders. These were ordinary men who at times demonstrated the exact same weaknesses that we do, right? Anger and jealousy and greed, and fear, and sometimes just some incredible thick-headedness. The world around them didn't offer them much in the way of, of promise for their lives. But here Jesus extends to them an invitation to absolute joy. 
The reason he paused on the way to the garden, to teach these men how to embrace joy at a far deeper level than they had ever experienced before, was that these men were going to need that joy. And that joy, he said, was dependent on the disciples remaining in Jesus and Jesus' words remaining in them. So Jesus taught this lesson to a group of men who are about to face the greatest trials of their lives when Jesus will soon be arrested, tried, and then crucified. But it's a lesson that is for us today as well. In Jesus' teaching here, he mentions fruit or fruitfulness nine different times. Everything that his father, the gardener, does in the vineyard is geared toward making each branch on the vine as fruitful as it can be. Our text tells us that the gardener cuts off every branch in Jesus that doesn't bear any fruit, while he prunes every branch that does bear fruit, so it'll be even more fruitful. I think we need to keep in mind here that Jesus says the gardener cuts off, or as other translations say, removes or takes away, every branch in me, in Jesus, that bears no fruit. If a branch is in Jesus, what does that mean? It means that that person has received the love and forgiveness that God the Father offers through faith in the death and resurrection of His Son. It means, as John 1.12 tells us, that to all who received Him, to those who believed on His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Now, I've shared in the past, when I've talked about this verse, that the Greek verb that is used here for cuts off or removes or takes away is the Greek verb ire, and it has many different possible meanings. And I'm not going to dwell on this this morning, but I've shared in the past that one of those meanings is to raise up or to lift up. So if we were to take that meaning of the word, then the father, as the gardener, would lift up or raise up the branches that don't bear any fruit so that they can be taken off the ground, cleaned up, and placed in a place where they can bear fruit. Because the Father, as the gardener, will do everything that is necessary to make sure that every branch is as fruitful as it can be. And I still believe that's one possible meaning for the verb in this context. But I would like for us to look at this statement in the context of what Paul said earlier when we look to 2 Corinthians 15, that when we are in Christ, we are new creations, the old is gone, and the new has come. And we saw earlier that grapes are only produced on the new growth, on new life. And that the old growth from the previous year was cut off so that what the vine produced was new growth that could produce fruit. Paul said that when we're in Christ, we are a new creation and that the old has gone. So God, the gardener, has cut off all of our old life our old ways, so that what is produced in us when we are in Christ is new life, new life that can bear fruit. Jesus said no one can bear fruit unless we remain in him. And that is the main point of Jesus' teaching here. We must remain in the vine if we are to bear fruit for the kingdom of God. And Jesus tells us in the first verse that he is that true vine. This is the I am statement of Jesus that we're looking at today. And Jesus does go on to tell us a very sobering thing 
in verse 6. He says that if anyone does not remain in him, then he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers, and that such branches are gathered up, thrown into the fire, and burned. That is the very sad outcome of not remaining in Jesus, of not being attached to the true vine, because our life, our spiritual life, our abundant life, our eternal life that we looked at last week is only found through remaining in or abiding in Christ. Most people don't want to hear that part of the message. The promise of Romans 8.1 is what? That there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To be in Christ Jesus, we have to be attached to or remain in the vine of Jesus Christ. If we remain in Him and His Word remains in us, we will have life and we will bear fruit. If we do not remain in the true vine of Christ, then there will be condemnation when our time on earth is over. So we want to remain, we need to remain attached to the true vine so that we can have true life and so that we can bear fruit for Christ. The main teaching, uh, gist, I'm sorry, the main gist of Jesus' teaching is really found in verses 4 through 8. Because it's here that Jesus emphasizes the need of the branch to remain in or stay connected to the vine so it can produce fruit. Other translations use the word abide instead of remain. In these 11 verses, all of them relating to the vine and the branches, this word abide or remain is used 11 times. 11 times in 11 verses. Do you think that there's maybe some importance to this concept of remaining in Jesus? Jesus says that remaining in the vine is necessary if we are to produce any fruit. And we've also seen what happens to a branch that does not remain connected to the vine. It becomes useless for bearing fruit, and it's cut off, and it's thrown away. So what does it mean for us to remain in or to abide in Christ? I think Jesus makes it a bit more clear when he says in verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. To abide or to remain in Christ means we spend time with him. We spend time focusing on Jesus and his word. In practical terms, it means we spend time reading, studying, meditating on the Bible, God's holy word. Because when God's word abides in us, then we are abiding in Christ. And we're told to abide because it is something that we can do or we can choose not to do. We actually have a part to play here. Unlike our salvation, which is totally the work of God, our remaining in Christ is a daily choice that we make. Will we spend time in prayer? Will we open God's Word and read it? Will we fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith? Will we spend time with other believers to receive encouragement as we're doing together this morning? These are choices that we make each and every day of our lives. When we take the Word of God into ourselves, then we receive the nourishment we get from the vine. If we're not taking in God's word on a daily basis, then we're not getting the spiritual nutrition that we need, and then we'll end up trying to live out our lives in our own strength and in our own power. 
Remember, Jesus also said, I am the bread of life. We receive all we need to sustain us and to produce fruit from him. And we're not going to produce any fruit for the kingdom of God if we're trying to do it all on our own. We have a responsibility as the branch to remain in the vine, to maintain that vital relationship that we need with Jesus. Because he tells us in verse 5 that apart from him, what? We can do nothing. But we don't just take his word into us and call it good. There's more to being connected to the vine than that. We're called to live out his word in the way in which we live our daily lives. This is where the bearing fruit part comes in. Part of living his word out in our lives is spelled out for us in verse 10, where Jesus says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. This gets us beyond simply taking God's word in and knowing what it says. This gets us to the point of living it out with our lives. Bible study is great, don't get me wrong. It's wonderful. It's essential to our growth and our being fruitful. But we're not meant to simply be, I don't know, libraries of God's love where we have all this knowledge just stored up for ourselves. What we're created to be is more of a, of a dispensary of God's love where we actively seek out and ask the Holy Spirit to show us how and where His love and His Word can be shown and lived out through our lives. This is where we bear fruit for the kingdom of God. It isn't just in our knowledge of God's Word, but in our living it out in the power and the strength that we receive by remaining connected to the vine. Because again, we only bear fruit if we remain in the vine. This is the big idea of this I am statement of Jesus. God wants us to bear fruit for him and for his kingdom. And we can only do that if we remain in the vine. And Jesus says what? I am that vine. The relationship between the branch and the vine can be summed up in one word. And that word is dependence. I am dependent on Jesus as the vine to supply everything that I need so that what is produced in me is a fruit of his rather than a work of my own efforts. My life is simply an extension of his life. Our whole lives need to be lived in the light of that truth. We are dependent on him. Now, in contrast to what Jesus is teaching here, many people try to live their lives as if we are the vines and Jesus is simply an attachment to us, a kind of support to help us do what we want to do, right? We have our goals, we have our desires, our work, our play, and then we simply attach Jesus to our lives. We simply ask him to come alongside of us and bless whatever it is that we may be doing. But what we need to understand is that Jesus is not an attachment to our lives. We are attached to him. Jesus is not dependent on us. We are dependent on him for everything. See, my temptation in my old nature is to, to just go and do, to envision, to plan, to organize, to promote, whatever. 
and then say, okay, God, I've made my plans. Would you mind coming alongside and just helping me out? Would you please bless all my efforts? If I ever think that anything I do can make any difference for God's kingdom apart from being connected to Christ, then I am missing the whole point of this statement. I want you to think about the job of a branch. The job of a branch is to be an extension of the vine. It doesn't have to produce life, it just receives life from the vine. And it doesn't have to decide what kind of fruit to produce. As the life of the vine flows through the branch, it naturally produces the fruit that is consistent with what the vine is. The true life is in the vine. The vine does it all. The vine sends the nutrients and life to the branch so the branch can produce fruit. And the fruit that is produced in us, the branches, comes directly from the vine Jesus and is in tune with who the vine is. This fruit is described in, in Galatians 5, and 23 as the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Is this fruit being exhibited in our lives because we are connected to the vine? And I want us, myself included, to please to remember this. We are not in the fruit-bearing business in order to make ourselves look good. The fruit is not for the benefit of the branch. Fruit is produced in order to benefit the lives of others. Fruit from a tree or a vine or a bush it's meant to be taken and eaten and enjoyed, right? If it's just left on the vine or the bush or the tree, what good does it do? Fruit is meant to be a benefit to others. When fruit that comes from a healthy branch is taken and, and eaten or made into a pie or, or a jam or a wine or even used to fill a donut, had to throw that in, right? then it's refreshing to those who are eating it. Why? Because it's used for what it was created for. If we just leave the fruit on the tree, or on the bush, or on the vine, it might look good for a few weeks, and it might be pleasant to sit there and, and look at it. But eventually it's going to start to turn bad, and it's going to fall off the tree and begin to rot and decay. And that's not what the fruit was created for. It was created to be enjoyed, to be shared, to be a blessing to those who come in contact with it. That fruit, once again, is the overflow of the life of the vine. It's never intended to make the branch look good. The fruit of the branch brings glory to the gardener and to the vine, not to us. What did Jesus say in verse 8? This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. What did Jesus say in Matthew 5.16? Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and do what? Praise or glorify your Father in heaven. So our good deeds, the fruit that is produced in our lives through our remaining in the vine, is never to bring glory or praise to us. It is always meant, as with the rest of our lives, to bring glory and praise to God. And I know I've shared this with you many times before, I think even just in the last couple months. 
But in the Westminster Confession, the first question that is asked is a very important question, and it simply is this. What is the chief end of man? And asking this, in other words, they're saying, what are we here for? Why do we exist? And the answer to that question is simple. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Are the lives we are living bringing glory to God? Does the fruit that is produced in our lives bring glory to God? And if we are truly connected to and remaining in the vine, are we experiencing that complete joy that Jesus said would be ours if we remain in Him and His Word remains in us? Do we find our purpose in life, our reason for existing, and our remaining attached to the vine, in our relationship with the one true vine, Jesus? Are we allowing His life-giving presence to flow into us and then through us so that others might see the fruit that's produced and be drawn to faith because of it? Jesus said, I am the true vine. Remain in me. It is only through remaining in Him that we can have that joy that Jesus mentioned earlier. It is only through remaining in Him that we can experience true life and bear fruit for the kingdom of God. Because, as Jesus said in verse 5, apart from Him, we can do nothing. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank You that You are indeed the, the great gardener that your son Jesus was sent to be the vine so that we can be attached to him through faith. Through faith in his redeeming work on the cross, through faith in his conquering death and rising from the grave so that we can have the promise of eternal life with you one day. We thank you for the forgiveness and the new life that we have in you. Help us each day, Lord, to remain in you, to abide in you, to wake up in the morning with our focus on you, to fixing our eyes, on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, there are so many things in this world that can distract us, that can take our focus off of you. Help us, Lord, each and every day to remain in you so that we can bear fruit for the kingdom and so that others can see that fruit and taste and see that the Lord is indeed good. Thank you. Thank you for being the vine. We are your branches, and Lord, we want to remain and abide in you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.